My name is Trey Carland, and I'm sitting here with Dan Kelso. And we've been talking a lot together about the spiritual awakening process. And Dan's had a lot of experience over the years. And I really just want to get to know you a little bit better, find out a little bit more about your, your past, talk to you a little bit about what's helped that awakening process along the way. So without further ado, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about what led you to where you are? I think it was when I, probably when I moved out around 17, 18, it's when I started really looking at things like looking at Christianity among the kinds of spiritual opportunities or avenues that I was familiar with as a kid. And then there was a probably about a year of that until I exhausted that and wasn't really finding things that I felt drew me in and so then began to kind of look a little broader and you know was in uh, explored Scientology at the time I remember they were kind of running around the campus recruiting people they're very mm -hmm. aggressive recruiters mm -hmm. um, and that was actually a really good experience <clears throat> up until I decided that I'd, I'd had a good taste of their communication course so anybody who's gone to Scientology knows about the communication course. That's sort of their intro thing. Hmm. Um, but what they did do in there is they did some forms of meditation where you were sitting and quietly with your eyes closed. They also did eyes open meditation in, in kind of dyads, you know, mm -hmm. groups of two. And, uh, and that was actually good because I'd never had any experience with that. So, um, hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think mostly at that point I was really just trying, looking in every, at everything that was available. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you know, now I can look back and I, I have a sense that there was like an impulse to, to find out, you know, curiosity and a drive to try to understand what life, those, the big philosophical questions, you know, what's, what this life is about, who am I, you know, things like that. But still very... You know, I had no idea really where to look. And this was college? Yeah, probably first. That was my first year in college. And, uh, of course, at the same time, I'm doing lots of other things, like you know, pursuing girls and <laughs> women at that point. Right. And, uh, and dancing and all kinds of just going out and, you know, going to clubs and things like that. So I had a good mixture of social things going on in there. And then gradually, though, I think the whole spiritual side started to kind of take on a bigger role. Mm -hmm. As as I went into my probably second, third year in college, I was definitely looking broader afield and looking at, and also was really, I was always drawn to people, at that point anyway, I was really drawn to people that were very um, committed spiritually and that had were just serious about it. They really wanted to go deep. So... And even and even then, it was most of the people I knew like that were more in the Christian kind of um, religion. So you know, born again Christian. I have a friend that was a born again Christian, and he just impressed me with how serious he was about his about praying and about you know. You could just tell he was really thoughtful about this, and I admired that. Mm -hmm. So um, I think I was really starting to you know that was coming, developing for me as well. And I was looking for other people that were, you know, taking this kind of to the next level. 
So uh, then I think there was a period of, you know, experimenting with different types of hallucinogenics and mostly because I had seen the, I'd been hearing, reading literature and seeing the connection between um, LSD, for example, and these altered states where people were bringing back, in a way, this experience of, you know, seeing things that they were not part of their normal way of seeing or thinking. Mm -hmm. about life and so I was interested in you know I want to find out what that was about and that was probably when I had my first real um, totally reframing experiences where you know at times I would feel like it didn't have a body you know that there was just a sense of or not that that I wasn't in the body all of a sudden I was seeing the body so I had this sense of separation from it mm -hmm. um and also a sense of the mind just kind of being able to take in information that normally I couldn't even tap into and having a sense of the, and it's hard even to remember accurately now because it's so long ago and there have been so many things right. along the way. But, you know, I think there was a, the beginnings of a sense of kind of the unity of things or the connectedness of things, you know, that really being able to, and I think being able to finally connect feeling sense with a an intellectual sense mm -hmm. if that makes sense right. so that I was like feeling the truth of these things it was starting to really register on this deeper level mm -hmm. um, and and real and I think that very much impacted you know things that came later mm -hmm. um, but so I would say all through college was a period of really absorbing things um, I had a great class a psychology class I, so I studied psychology mm -hmm. at the time and I had this class called The Psychology of Consciousness, and it was just, even now I look at it among college classes, it's just stood out, stands mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. But it was every week we had some new, one week it was some guy that was, had hung out with the llamas in mm -hmm. Tibet, and next week it was two grannies, two hmm. British grannies who were <laughs> could see your spirit guides, and they were talking, so it was just like something new every week. Hmm. Um, and then there was one, one particular one that really got to me. It was a woman who had had a near-death experience, and she had uh, you know, died for a short period of time in a car accident. And mm. during that, she had had an out-of-body experience and been floating um, near the corner and had described events that you know, she saw from that perspective and things that she heard and mm. things that she kind of... Um, a communion with the people at, or connection with the people at the event mm -hmm. where she felt what they felt, or that's what she, she stated, she believed that. Mm -hmm. And and she did um, um, check on some of these things later and find out that they had actually occurred, that mm. the person was thinking what she thought they were thinking and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of connected, I think, with the, the, el the psychedelic experiences just, you know, kind of... Um, reinforcing that sense that there was really something going on here that was far beyond just the conventional way of thinking about physical reality. Right. So, um, and about that time I was also coming in contact with Buddhist meditation practices and Indian meditation practices and, and dabbling with that and starting, starting though to get more serious about it. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, and then, so after I got out of college, um, I sort of had a little bit of a, 
change of directions. I was getting ready to go to graduate school and go, go into a master's program for psychology in some manner and just couldn't do it. I just didn't, I, all of a sudden it seemed a lot less relevant to keep going in that direction and seemed much more relevant to keep studying these things and exploring. And so uh, I just, you know, decided not to go to graduate school, even though I'd done all these things to prepare for it. Mm -hmm. um, but it seemed natural, I guess, not to, to go that direction. So right. it never felt like, oh, I should have gone to school. Right. Um, because I was so excited about these things I was discovering. Mm -hmm. um, and over a period, maybe a year or so after graduating college, I continued to read and and you know, contemplate a lot of the things I was reading. And a lot of it was Buddhist-oriented, just because, for whatever reason, those are the kind of books I was coming in contact with. Mm -hmm. Some interpretive books, like Alan Watts, mm -hmm. talking about Zen, Buddhism. Mm -hmm. um, and I came in contact, and I think it was Alan Watts, where I came in contact with the idea of doing some form of self-inquiry or self-investigation. And, and investigating... I think it was the taboo against knowing who you are. I think it was that book. Mm -hmm. um, but that, along with some other kind of uh, deeper Buddhist texts that talked about the idea of anatta or no soul, things like that, started to come together, and I started to see kind of a, you know, this pattern. And that that really intrigued me. The whole idea of investigating what's the nature of the self, mm -hmm. um, but more directly rather than intellectually, just thinking about it or reading about it, but somehow to ex explore it. Mm -hmm. um, still wasn't getting, you know, clear direction, but at some point, um, I think I just read the line, and I, I can't remember exactly what it said, but basically it was just like, just take a look. Mm -hmm. you know, it was just like really simple. Mm -hmm. Just take a look for yourself, you know, that sort of thing. And it hadn't even occurred to me at that point to just, I think it sort of gave me permission at that point to... Um, not rely on an authority to tell me what was there, but to look for myself and and trust what I saw. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I did. I mean, it was very simple and in the moment kind of experience. I took a look in, and I looked where I should be. Right. That sense of I that I had just always felt in the background, like it's back there, and that's at the center of me, and then everything else is you know revolving around that. Mm -hmm. And looking at that and then not finding anything, and I think just uh, that was just a mind blower, you know, mm -hmm. and it just had this sense of, oh my God, there's nothing there. <laughs> I mean, there's like nothing. It's just empty. Mm -hmm. And and it's just from, I mean, and I'm trying to remember the details of it, but it basically just seemed like I didn't know what to think of that, it, but it just totally floored me, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, conceptual, my self-concept, my idea of myself, my idea of all the ideas that are piled on top of your sense of self just sort of collapsed for a, a brief period. And there was this, it's almost like this divine confusion, you know, <laughs> you're just, I'm just thinking, what now, you know, mm -hmm. what does this mean? You're um, in your 20s? Probably, yeah, it must have been 22, 23, okay. about then. And uh, so there, it, you know, I could go into more detail about that experience. I mean, I'll go into a little bit about it. But, okay. 
basically it was just uh, there's the elation that comes with that. I mean, it was just this thrill of seeing something I totally did not expect to see, mm-hmm. and just the energy of it and the sense of spaciousness and it was really the first glimpse of when that sense of self disappeared the first glimpse of uh, what I know now is awareness you know the mm-hmm. sense of that that's your ground of being but I'd never seen that before clean of any kind of egoic or you know self you know self imagined constructs Mm-hmm. And so it just seemed so clear that I was this consciousness. And I didn't have any of the words at the time, but mm-hmm. um, so there was just this thrilling experience of just feeling connected with things and watching things kind of move in slow motion. Leaves were, I think it was stormy outside and it was raining and leaves were rolling in the wind and it was just this slow motion mm-hmm. turning over this leaf. And I don't know, it was just like being really high, and but you're not high, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you're not... I wasn't, you know, on any drug at the time. So, um, and just, yeah, probably wandered around for a couple of hours in that state, just literally wandered around outside in the rain, laughing, (laughs) acting like, you know, a little crazy, probably looking. And, uh, but yeah, after that, and it was just, uh, I just, you know, there's no way to turn away from that or to somehow, I had no context for that. So, um, you know, there was that, feeling of being hooked I gotta I gotta find out what this is about Mm -hmm. and so over a period of maybe a few days after that it kind of that sense of being grounded in that sort of dissolved and then there was a sense of being back right and uh, from there it was just everything was to get back to that Mm -hmm. find out how what was that reconnect with it feel it again so if this is getting too long, but I can do the, there's a lot of, so there were a lot of years in there of trying to figure out what it's, and under, really understand self-inquiry as Ramana Maharshi, you know, presented or it was presented in texts that were based on his dialogues with people and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a few good books like David Goggins book. I got that and just wore that baby out. You know, it's all the pages are falling out of it and it was written all over it. <laughs> yeah. So I would carry it around parts of it would fall out while I was walking, <laughs> hiking around or something. And, mm-hmm. But, um, and then I, I loved going to this park that was nearby that um, I could go during the week when no one was there and just get on these trails and just do this self-investigative practice without too many interruptions, just and moving, just that moving meditation was, worked really well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, I would have that, I would get, every once in a while I'd get a really big taste of that, you know, disappearance of the sense of self and then awareness would just sort of fill the space mm-hmm. and just feeling very, all of a sudden open, calm, connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, and it was just like, so I would say though, for probably, and I didn't really have, I wasn't finding any teachers that could really teach this or could even explain it or even made it a part of their, their teaching, mm-hmm. you know, so it was very hard to find someone to help me refine the technique. And so I really floundered around a lot, did a lot of, I mean, I did lots of different types of mindfulness and Vipassana type meditations and even I would lock myself I had a basement area where I 
created this soundproof room and I would just go down there and completely, it was like being in an isolation chamber, you know, forget where I was and everything wow. and come up out of that. And I would just be, I was getting very cool, cooled out and calm and the mind would slow way down, but I wasn't really having that. I wasn't having any insights. And I think I started to realize it was the insights that I wanted. I wanted to understand. I wanted to have these knowings and, mm -hmm. The meditation was great for calming me down. Putting me in a really calm, I mean, I was pretty calm already, but it mm -hmm. put you in a very peaceful place. But that was about it. So it wasn't really doing that. And so I just kind of lost interest in it. I stopped doing long. I was meditating probably up to maybe three or four hours, you know, like wow. one hour meditations, three or four hours a day for a period of maybe a couple of months in there. Wow. Um, and then just sort of went, no, nope, that's not working for me. So, mm -hmm. yeah, stop doing that. But continued to try to figure out what, how to do inquiring. What, and I would just find myself going back and going, do I really understand this? Do I understand the words I'm reading? And I didn't really. I mean, I wasn't getting enough clarity to understand if I was doing it right. And now I see, oh, well, there are specific things that make sense of how you do um, self-inquiry and... Um, and I would tend to break it up into two, two different, actually, in some ways, two different exercises. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, wasn't it? So it took me a long time to figure that out, maybe mm -hmm. 15, 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And of course, you go on with your life. I had a life, I had you know, relationships, and there were children mm -hmm. along the way, and many jobs, and, and, but never really. And I would, you know, of course, get into very much a, worldly life you know making money and paying the bills and mm -hmm. you know having relationships and all that but uh, I never really could give up on the whole spiritual I mean I just had that impulse I couldn't I didn't want to I didn't want to give it up right I mean so and it, and I couldn't I don't think I could have if I wanted to anyway I just felt a natural I always came back to that so even though I might go off and I might not do any kind of self-inquiry for a month at a time. Yeah. Um, I still never, you know, gave it up. Right. Never felt the impulse to just give it up altogether. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I'd say probably about 10 years ago now, um, started really refining the meditation practice and becoming a lot more focused on asking very pointed specific questions really investigating a lot more precisely w what it was about my sense of this of a separate self that was evidence for that that really because I I still was feeling the sense of getting it and losing it feeling like I'm still identified I'm still here I haven't you know having a sense of that somehow the self has to dissolve and that kind of thing and um, and to, to, and somehow I had to connect permanently with this sense of awareness, but it was really starting to get very specific. I was, and, and having more frequent, you know, experiences of awareness, of just feeling awareness grounded in that and feeling kind of basically in a selfless kind of place. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, probably about seven years ago, there were, there were a couple of period a couple of experiences over a period of maybe 
um, six months, maybe two or three times when um, I felt like I was just really, there was something about, hard to explain really, it was, it was like I was finally getting it, mm-hmm. you know, that what this no self thing was about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, the, three or four of those kinds of experiences where I just somehow the insight, it just felt like I was, I couldn't quite get it, but I felt like I was really close. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was pulling from all kinds of sources at that point. I mean, a lot of online, the internet was great for giving you information. I was just searching and I was looking through hundreds of different avenues, you know, people that were um, coming from very, you know, philosophical inquiry, you know, psychological inquiries and very spiritual, traditional inquiries and just trying to pull out. I think I got, it was a pretty obsessive period in terms of really just almost frantically looking for the answer here or any evidence that would kind of help me you know, get closer to this. So definitely the heat was turning up on the process, but also it seemed to be really bearing fruit. You know, I just felt like I was getting very close to um, understanding mm-hmm. what this was. And then I just remembered um, there was a point where I was, I had taken my daughter to a volleyball meet in, this is in Salinas, California, where we lived in the Bay Area. And I was waiting for, I was sitting in the car and it was cold and then it was in the morning and I was just looking out at the hills. And, uh, and you know, I'll describe this, but it's probably not as, it's not perfectly accurate. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure I'm pulling pieces together that didn't happen the same time a little bit. But mm-hmm. generally, if that was, there was a moment there of just seeing the hills and do, I would just do this all anyway. I would just start doing inquiry whenever I had some downtime. You know, it's like, okay, waiting for my daughter's volleyball mask to get over. And then we'll go in there in a half an hour. I got 20 minutes to mm-hmm. just sit here and do some inquiring. So I would just sit there reflecting. It was very reflective, though, more um, co- contemplative, I think, rather than doing kind of a, I didn't think of it as a meditation necessarily. Mm-hmm. But just asking these questions, you know, what is the self? What is this? What is this sense of separation? And feeling into that, really feeling that sense of um, being separate, being everything that, any clue of anything that even suggested that, I was just looking at it and, and questioning it. What is, is this true? You know, is it really proving what I think it's proving? And then um, at some point, there was just a I think I was working with a, a certain contemplation, which was, there's no self, there's just this. Mm-hmm. I think that was that was it. I was working with that idea. There's no self, there's just this. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't saying there's nothingness. It wasn't like void or emptiness, mm-hmm. you know, kinds of meditations. It was, a, it was, this is coming from this guy, actually, that I was listening to at the time. Well, he didn't really like very much because he was he was actually a mean guy, but he was very aggressive about the way he went after things in his dialogues with people, and he would and he was on purely online. You know, I never talked to this guy, but um, that was his line, and I for some reason it just resonated with me at the time. I thought, wow, there's something about this, hmm. and 
it, it somehow was going after just the, it seemed like the final roots of this sense of believing that I was going back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, it was that I had just all of a sudden had this clear sense that there really, there is no self, there's no container I'm jumping back into to be the self. There's nothing, I'm not actually doing that. It's just, I, I was realizing it's just, it's a purely belief. Mm. It's just purely this assumption that I am separate. Mm-hmm. And somehow I just saw, I was looking at the mountains. I saw them there. That was the this, in a sense. It was this. That was, and somehow the expanse of that just gave me a sense of groundedness in that. And then, so I was sort of anchored in those two positions. And then the self anchor just fell away. It was just, there is no self. There never was one. This has always just been a, you know, these belief construct, whatever they are, it's just thought. It's just belief. It's just imagining it to be so. And I just didn't believe it anymore. Hmm. It was like the belief turned over, dissolved, turned into a new belief, which was this no self sense. And then, uh, I just knew it was done. I knew that that was gone. That was that that wouldn't occur again. And yet, I I wasn't gonna just accept that. I wanted to, so I tested it out. I thought, okay, well, if this is true, then let's see what happens over time. You know. Mm-hmm. So then there was a period of weeks after that. I didn't tell anybody about it. Mm-hmm. Didn't say anything. Just continued to look and see this vacancy. You know, and it was there. It was persisting, and it wasn't like it had been in the past where it was full of all this exhilaration and things. I was very, very grounded and matter of fact, you know, just like very ordinary kind of feeling, except extraordinary in the sense that there's no structure there anymore. There's a sense of that vacancy, that spaciousness or an emptiness that I'd seen when I looked that first time. It was just like that was the nature of the self now. And I could tell there were, I could tell the thoughts were running around looking for, almost like watching ants, you know, just looking for their hole, you know, <laughs> just running around, grabbing onto stuff. But you could just feel this little self thoughts running around, trying to, beliefs, trying to attach to something. And it was, it was just like there was nothing to attach to anymore. So maybe it was some kind of root belief or something like that. But, um, hmm. so that kind of gave, after a while it became real clear, okay, that's, that's gone. You know, mm-hmm. Just don't have that. I don't believe it anymore. And it's very easy to, you know, it's obvious, acceptable, done. And then, uh, uh, but then there was this period of like, well, now what? What's this? It's all great. I'm nobody. <laughs> and it's not, there's no, and so there was a sense of meaninglessness. To, it was actually kind of a, not a dark night of the soul sort of thing, but definitely a, uh, an empty, empty kind of place. It seemed very like, okay, so we're nothing. Mm-hmm. Great, you know. <laughs> I mean, this is a little, it's, it seemed a little dreary. And mm. um, and yet the truth of it seemed quite clear. So it wasn't like something where I could go, I just want to go back to being a, sell, <laughs> you know, there was no road back from there. So, the, so it was a little bit of a sense of like, I made my bed and I get to sleep in it, you know. <laughs> Um, and it was interesting. So that lasted for maybe a few months of just, 
and I and, the, and I knew that on some level, Dan was operating and doing all. He went to work. He was doing, you know, being a dad and being a husband and doing all that stuff. But there was just a real sense of selflessness to the whole. Just a no kind of ground to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So. And fortunately, I think it wasn't, I've read of other accounts of people that it's very, very destabilizing. Mm-hmm. It can be. I can see how that can really lead to a sense of just feeling, you know, very borderline psychotic almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, I did not have that experience. I didn't have, there was no anxiety over it, maybe because I spent so many years just attacking it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and going after it and just acclimating in a sense perhaps to the it's like having those periods of no self and just knowing intellectually on some level that it, you know that it can't be there can't be a self none of this could actually make up a self mm-hmm. i mean look at this stuff it's so this disheveled little mess you know how could that make a self you know mm-hmm. an actual being so i think there was so if you know fortunately it, it wasn't very traumatic it was just you know, except for maybe a little depressing, there mm-hmm. might have been kind of a sense of, but then I think what happened was that inquiry in a sense, investigation continued. And uh, then it was like, yeah, but I exist, I'm here. Mm-hmm. So what am I, you know? So then all of a sudden it, it's a question that I had used before, well, what am I? Mm-hmm. Which points you more toward what's left after you look through all these pieces of, you know, beliefs about the self, the individuals, my individual self. Well, what's left after that? And um, there was just, it was just became clear at one point. Um, I, I, the sense that there was a sense of, I do exist as something. I don't know what it is yet. Mm-hmm. And then going, well, what is that? What is that something? Mm-hmm. And there was a sense of, well, it's present. And it's alive, or it's aware, it's conscious, it's, it is. Mm-hmm. I can't say it's not, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tried saying that. I said, well, tr- is, maybe it's not. Maybe mm-hmm. it really is. And maybe there is nothing here. And it's like, no, there's something. Mm-hmm. And so finally, just the obvious thing of awareness, you know, which, which kind of incorporates all those things of um, amnes. Mm-hmm. Not I-ness, you know. Right. I can see why people say it's the I am, but um, but it's not I-ness, it's amness, which is, you know, there is a distinction there, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's aware, it's alert, it's, a, it's alive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's more alive, actually. The aliveness of it at the time seemed greater than any aliveness I felt as, you know, when I was identified with being a person, you know. Mm-hmm. individual it was much more of the the energy the 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 um, proximity in a way to the aliveness seemed much more palpable you know right. if that makes sense yeah it almost felt like I was filtering it through my senses all the time before you know I felt like I was you know an individual struggling with things and trying mm-hmm. to figure things out and living my life it was always Felt like that was always in the way of the now. It was just available, and it just and and feels that way still. You know, that's the that's the connection. Is and those are the things that I would say describe the experience now. Is 
you know, it's alive. It's here all the time, and it's mm. awake and alert, and it has no boundaries to it. It's boundaryless. It just has. I wouldn't say it's infinite because I don't know. You know, because mm-hmm. I'm not like following something to get to the outer boundaries of it. I know that's what scriptures will say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take their word for it, right? But I can't say I can verify that because I don't even know how you would do that. But right. it certainly doesn't have anything like the boundaries of being a separate self. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so that just filled, all of a sudden that became, my sense became, um, this is what I am. Mm-hmm. I, I am that. But even those words, though, it, I have a problem with the words because as soon as you start saying I and me and it, now, there's just those terms and those ideas are so, they're so wed to the sense of separateness and everything. And it just doesn't, that's why amness or isness, those kind of terms seem much more, you know, appropriate, mm-hmm. I think, than saying, you know, anything that sounds personal. And here we are. So you mentioned a couple of questions you sat with. Um, and what am I was one that was very powerful. Um, what are a few others that kind of helped the deepening realization? Oh, let's see. Um, so, yeah, so I like the what question mm-hmm. more than the, I think I mentioned this to you, what, asking what is, what is me or where Mm-hmm. So it, it, this is where I think there's kind of almost two things here, which I think can overlap a lot. Like you can say, what am I? Mm-hmm. And look to see what you are beyond the self. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can ask, what is the self? And that's actually a lot more attention is more focused on, well, what are the, what is it in your experience that tells you you're an individual, that you are the body mind, that you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're contained somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I like the what question instead of a who question. Who seems to take you more to, like, who am I? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, that's traditional self-inquiry, tends to go into that mm-hmm. um, and do versions of that. That seems like it actually takes you down a bit of a rabbit hole into um, going through, I'm a mailman, I'm a, you know, a mm-hmm. lover, I'm a, you know, whatever, all the thing, I'm even chief. Right. All the things that describe that are about you, as opposed to, it didn't just doesn't feel as almost like precise, mm-hmm. I guess, in terms of focusing attention and the investigation in the right place. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think really good for to me. Um, it's it, my experience with this was getting the self out of the way is what allowed awareness to really come in full-blown and just become obvious, mm-hmm. consciousness obvious. Mm-hmm. But it really took kind of focusing on what is this self? What is this me? Or even having, um, we talked about this, I think, having uh, like Douglas Harding's pointing, finger mm-hmm. pointing, mm-hmm. making a photo, you know, I mean a photocopy of, his pointing hand with a finger pointing back toward the head, mm-hmm. which you can't see your head, of course, you just have a sense of space there. Right. Pointing into that space and, and 
having that pointer bring you back to look there again. So sometimes it's just a wordless look in. What's there kind of thing? What is it that's here at the very center where I should be? Mm-hmm. You know, finding that center where you really feel a sense of I, go right in, looking right into the center of that and going, is that me? Am I there? Mm-hmm. Is it true? Mm-hmm. So it's that's the kind of questioning process. So I think it's really a rolling it over and just keeping it going. Mm-hmm. You know, it can, so it can start with what is this me or where where is the I mm-hmm. or where is the me. Mm-hmm. Those are those both. I think those what or where questions kind of for me really brought me back to looking at the the real um, where I the felt sense of of individual. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, yeah, because that's what was dry. I realized that's what's driving all my beliefs and assumptions about my life, my right. hands' life. It's this felt sense of being in the middle of it somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it really, and that's what I'd say when I said that I really started refining things the last either two or three years before that final aha wake up moment. Is I think that's what I was realizing is I got to get to the the real the the real essence of this confusion, you know, this felt sense of I-ness that seems to be at the core of feeling like I lost it. Right. You know, like, oh I lost it, I'm out of it again. I'm back. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, you know, this just it's just another, it's another very strong, very fortified kind of belief that 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 certain sensations amount to, in the body, for example, amount to proof that I really am in the body. Mm-hmm. So it was, if that makes sense, that was that kind of a questioning and really kind of trying to see the truth of it. So this process is one, it's like self-inquiry, except much more direct in a way there's something it's guerrilla guerrilla <laughs> tactical I, I actually wrote that down I go it's kind of like guerrilla ta- you're just attacking it from all these different angles and just a real persistent kind of yeah so you lived and breathed and ate this inquiry these this desire to know what this sense of I was just kind of ruled your life for a while it sounds like well, it's funny, you know, it's funny how you can, at least for me, I could turn it off. I mean, I still had, there were lots of things going on. I was out making lots of worldly mistakes and, you know, <laughs> having a life. Mm-hmm. I think I lived in Santa Cruz. It, let's see. No, I guess that was way I was more, I was in San Jose. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I had, you know, I was also working as an engineer and doing all that stuff and, um, it definitely you know, dominated my life, but not. I wouldn't say it 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 uh, excluded mm-hmm. living a life. Which uh, I'm wondering, you know, now I look at that and I go, there does seem to be reason to have a balance, psychological balance in the personal life to to facilitate this, I guess, because mm-hmm. I I've, I've just read so many accounts of awakening experiences. And most, I'd say more than, more than half of them are pretty difficult psychologically. I mean, from a psychological and personal life perspective, it can really shake up your 
ability to function in the world, you know, mm -hmm. to keep your job, to just have. And, you know, whether it was good fortune or just, you know, having so much time and, or maybe being the luck of balancing those two and just sort of in, in a way simultaneously working on relationship, you know, and understanding the nature of relationships and um, how to manage your life financially and, you know, I mean, all the practical things of life. Mm -hmm. I think it made that transition very, pretty smooth and easy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I just felt very graced that way, very fortunate that, that you know, I didn't go through any terrible traumas, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, there were things going on. I was, you know, like I said, I was making lots of mistakes, and, mm -hmm. you know, and everything, but um, I was handling them. I was able to manage the rest of my life in spite of the fact that I was having these. I had this whole other life that was fairly private mm -hmm. that had to do with doing invest self-investigation. Mm -hmm. Did I answer your question, though? Yeah. Yeah, I was also curious about what your outer <coughs> life looked like after that last aha and after you got that sense that um, I'm done, mm -hmm. whether that impacted your life, whether you continued a normal, everyday sort of life. Yeah, you know, it's at the beginning, it, I, I would say that over time, my life became less normal. <laughs> <laughs> so there was like a... I think at the beginning there was just a sense of like I had a by then I had a good job. I was had like one of my the best jobs I ever had I was working at Apple and you know I was making good money and I actually had some interest. I was working as an engineer doing ergonomics at Apple and was enjoying that. You know as as jobs went, it was pretty easy for me and I was I felt like I was pretty good at it and uh, and. That, sh I, I noticed over a couple of years, I realized that um, it felt more and more confined, though. Mm -hmm. Even though I'd always, you know, had, I'd had to take care of myself since I was 17, so I'd always worked and had, you know, I managed my money well, and I really, you know, I needed a job. You had to have a job, pay the bill. I mean, take care of the bills and stuff and, right. and your family. And so, um, but I think that, after about a year or two of in being in this awake state, it became more and more confining. Um, fortunately, I was, even though my wife wasn't into, has never really been that into inquiry and this kind of investigation, she was very tolerant of it and supportive. And, uh, and um, you know, there was a period of, really wanting her to take part in it and then I think of maturing in it and realizing, hey, just leave it, let it go, you know? <laughs> she doesn't have to be, she's being, she's being loving enough, you know? I mean, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there was definitely a maturing into, which is something that's very interesting to me now because that, that integration continues still. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so I'd say gradually over, over a period of a couple of years there, uh, dramatic changes though I mean at one point all of a sudden it was like I need to get out I need to retire early mm -hmm. and looking at ways to do that just because I just this sense of because one thing that something that comes with this is a sense of freedom in a way mm -hmm. freedom from you know you you begin to release certain fears you know you have of let like letting go of my job you know 
if I had tried to do that a few years earlier prior to awakening, I'd say, I don't think I could have done it. I'd be just too insecure about being in the world. But there, I felt a shift toward, and if I'm not answering your question, I, I can veer back here. You're doing a good job. Stop <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, but just uh, gradually becoming much more comfortable with, and ac- almost like acclimation, almost mm-hmm. as if you're going, you're traveling up a mountain and you're acclimating to different altitudes and less oxygen, and you're becoming better at functioning with less oxygen. Mm-hmm. Um, and just finding myself, you know, making choices and ch- taking on challenges, both, you know, in terms of my relationship and also in terms of the working world and um, being a father. You know, my daughter was in her late teens then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and also being honest about my state in a way, you know, just to call it something, to call it my state of awakening. And just, I told them both, you know, what was going on. Mm-hmm. As best I could try to, you know, make it in terms of language they could both understand. And they were both very accepting of it not and also not really understanding it completely mm-hmm. but they trusted me and they trusted that I wouldn't just make up something you know and say <laughs> oh I'm awake and that's why I'm acting weird you know, just, <laughs> to, to just take that <laughs> so it was uh, you know again just felt very fortunate to have people around me that were accepting and um, you know my family anyway um, and also started kind of you know, I, I stopped following teachers. Just that almost stopped immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, right after awakening, probably within a few weeks, there's always a sense of looking for authority, you know, somebody to confirm it, mm-hmm. you know. Well, let me back up a little bit. I still wanted to, what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk to to others who said they were awake, and I wanted to, I really wanted to confirm test this out and confirm that it was for real. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was really important. I didn't want any doubts about whether I was kidding myself or, you know, picking up on, you know, there were any subtle indicators that I wasn't what I thought, wasn't experiencing what I thought I was. So there was a period of maybe months there where I was really testing it out. and then, But I did notice in parallel to that was really just, I had followed so many teachers. I mean, spiritual communities and just looking for books. I had a hard time reading books anymore. I mean, for one thing, most of them just seemed irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And even that, I had to look at it and go, well, why is this irrelevant? Mm-hmm. Is it really not, you know, is it that it's not valid, the information I'm getting, looking at it? I looked at some of my old books that I had had for years and that I used as reference material. And there, I noticed a big change in that all of a sudden. It was like it was easy for me to look at something and go, this is somebody who's awake writing. Mm-hmm. This is somebody who's not awake writing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like I could just, I had this sixth sense about being able to tell if the person writing was awake or not. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty cool, actually, because yeah. it really frees you up from a lot of reading <laughs> things. And finally going, I read that whole book, and I don't know, man. I'm not <laughs> sure that really, you know, we really got it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was, so it was kind of an, a, a, you know, a gradually building sense of detaching away from kind of conventions of living and, and, you know, traditional values that I had embraced and just to a freer, more open place of, um, 
like I said, it was like risk taking things that were really risky, even you know months before. Sometimes would be like, oh, I could do that. Right. Why not? I mean, what's at stake here? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you're, it's awareness. So you're you are that. So what? It's all good. Mm -hmm. So there's a growing into I think, which continues still that growing into that sense of what does it mean to for this to be your ground of being mm -hmm. um, and then it just it's just kind of it's a really enjoyable ex, interesting process i guess mm -hmm. you know just discovering this this constant discovery of what it means mm -hmm. yeah. i think i answered your question yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right well that concludes our conversation for the day. Thank you very much, Dan. Sure. It's been My an pleasure. honor. And um, look forward to chatting more with you in the future. Me too.